Hello and welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. This week, do you take odd pride in knowing how to clean the dishwasher filter? Do you tell your friends in a conspiratorial whisper about the miracle of compound interest? Does going to bed at 9.30 give you a high? If so, congrats. You are adulting. Adulting, which the Oxford English Dictionary shortlisted for Word of the Year in 2016, along with alt-right, hygge, woke, and post-truth, is behaving in a manner consistent with responsible adulthood. And this can be little things like cleaning snow off your windshield with an actual snow brush rather than your flailing late-to-work arms. Or it could be making a dentist appointment without your mother reminding you. But it can also be the big things, figuring out your values, learning how to take care of yourself, and taking responsibility for your life rather than blaming traffic, your little brother, or Jack Daniels. Now, much of adulting consists of working against human nature. We humans tend to focus on whatever shiny thing is directly in front of us. So adulting often means taking the long view, saving for retirement, doing cardio, taking your vitamins. But as the name implies, it's also simply the process of growing up. Adulting occurs as you trade dependence for independence and self-centeredness for community. And over the years, out of all the college seniors I've worked with in treatment, 100% have freaked out about graduation in one way or another. It is normal. So for example, one woman obsessively read personal finance books to cope with her anxiety about supporting herself. Another, after triumphantly turning in her thesis, fell into a deep slump. And another questioned the decades that lay before him, not in a suicidal way, but a more existential way. He wondered, what's the point of the next 60 years? Now, while I can't help you with the meaning of life, with graduation right around the corner, we can cover five secrets of adulting that college seniors and adults I've worked with over the years have found most helpful in a time of transition. And if you're already a full-fledged adult, well, whether you're one day or 50 years past graduation, all of us can benefit from the wisdom of those who tossed their mortarboards before us. So therefore, this week, here are five big jewels in the crown of adulting wisdom. And this week, we'll count them down backwards from five to number one. So adulting tip number five is to question your self-imposed deadlines. Many a college senior has sat in my office and announced a deadline for life. Sometimes the deadline is a way to test the waters, such as, I'm going to work for a year and then decide about grad school. Or sometimes it's a way to keep an eye on the prize. Like, if I haven't made money from comedy by the time I'm 23, I'm going to get a real job. But more often, the deadlines cause more distress than success. Like, I have to have a job lined up before I graduate. Or, I have to meet my life partner in college. These deadlines are driven by uncertainty and anxiety rather than curiosity or chasing a dream. So consider this. A deadline to reach a milestone or make a big decision should make your life better. It should make you feel motivated, not trapped. It should help keep you focused, not freak you out. And this applies at any age, such as, I want to crank out two kids before I'm 35, or I want to make partner before 40, or I want to be a millionaire before I retire. 
Now, if those goals put wind beneath your wings, fly high, my friend. But if they make you want to crawl into a hole, consider keeping the goal, but trashing the deadline. Whether it's a job after graduation, your first dollar from your own business, or someone you can unironically call snookums, decouple oppressive deadlines from the goal and feel yourself able to breathe again. Adulting tip number four is be willing to feel negative emotions. Negative emotion gets a bad rap. Increasingly, it's seen as a sign of things gone wrong. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating. One of the few negative side effects of the happiness movement is a creeping unwillingness to feel bad, especially the negative emotions of sadness, frustration, anxiety, shame, and doubt. So, push back against the belief that you should only feel happy and confident. Feeling lousy sometimes is normal and healthy. And any transition or new venture will trigger a range of emotions. In the case of graduation, you may be proud of your accomplishments, but also sad the four years are ending, anxious about the uncertainty of the future, or frustrated you can't make your dreams come true right away. Now, consistently melting into a puddle of worry, holding a constant black cloud of sadness over your head, or slinging daily lightning bolts of anger isn't productive, but being willing to feel bad, sad, or mad as appropriate to the circumstances is a sign of maturity and awareness. Think of it as being emotionally woke. What's more, a study in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin found that a willingness to express negative emotion went along with having more and closer friends. Why? Well, negative emotion allows people to see you as an approachable human rather than a walled-off superhuman. So go ahead and say you feel nervous rather than pretending you have it all together. Take that slump in stride and let your frustration light a fire under you. When it comes to everyday emotions, even when you feel bad, it's all good. Adulting tip number three. Do the right thing. A team led by rock star psychologist Dr. Angela Duckworth examined the extent to which brains and personality contributed to success in almost 10,000 American adults. And the researchers defined objective success in terms of income and assets and subjective success in terms of life satisfaction and happiness. And the only thing that had an impact across the board was the personality trait of conscientiousness. Conscientiousness, which is essentially self-discipline, not only went along with making more money, but it also went along with a happier life. Now, you might think that being extroverted or smart would be more important, but not so fast. While extroverts were measurably happier, there was no association with income. And while cognitive ability hung together with income and assets, it had no association with a happy life. Now, it is true that conscientiousness is a trait. We have a lot or a little of it baked into us at birth. But all is not lost for the scattered and easily distracted among us because conscientiousness can also be practiced as a skill. We can all get better at showing up on time, persevering through challenges, and being responsible. The very definition of adulting. Adulting tip number two is clarify your values. Now, part of adulting is setting goals, but it's arguably more important to figure out your values. So think of it this way. Goals are what you want to achieve. 
These can often be checked off on a list. Get your degree, buy a house, sip a Mai Tai in Tahiti someday. Goals are the destination. But values are the road. Values guide how you get to your destination, how you treat people, how you conduct yourself, how you choose your priorities. In other words, goals are what, but values are how. So one way to start clarifying your values is to notice what annoys you. If you get outraged when your dining companion foregoes a doggy bag, you probably value limiting waste. If your blood pressure goes up when your friend flakes on plans, you probably value dependability. If you tear your hair out when people use apostrophes to make words plural, you likely value following the rules. And according to an actual study in PLOS One, are probably a conscientious introvert. Now, in addition to noticing what annoys you, a more pleasant way to put your finger on your values is to notice what inspires you. Who do you respect? Who are your role models? What is it about Michelle Obama or Elon Musk or Paul Farmer that you admire? Paying attention to your outrage and your inspiration helps you reflect on what's important to you, which in turn can inform your decisions as you figure out not only what, but who you want to be as you grow up. And finally, adulting tip number one. Remember, it's okay not to have everything figured out. Whether fortunately or unfortunately, from the dorm room, to the boardroom, to the situation room, we're all winging it. The realization that you have to make it up as you go along can be paralyzing, but it can also be freeing. Consider this. Uncertainty drives anxiety. And graduation is the time of life with the greatest uncertainty. What will my career be? Will I find a partner? When? Who? Where will I live? Which of my friendships will survive the transition? And this uncertainty leaves us with two options. We can either increase our certainty, or we can get better at accepting uncertainty. And adulting requires both. To illustrate, a study out of Korea University found that 21st century skills like flexibility and persistence were vital in facing difficult career decisions, but they were turbocharged when combined with, you guessed it, a high tolerance for uncertainty. So you can work to increase certainty, sign a lease, land a job, go on a second and third and 20th date, but you can also work to be okay with uncertainty. It's totally normal not to have it all figured out, whether you're 18, 22, or several decades beyond. So no matter where you are in this journey of adulting, remember, you may not know where you're going, but you're on the right path. So question your self-imposed deadlines, practice conscientiousness, clarify your values, and know it is perfectly okay to feel bad or uncertain. And if you really want to adult like a boss, you could even make that dentist appointment. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Beata Santora. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. If Savvy Psychologist has been helpful to you, do me a favor and review the podcast wherever you like to listen. Write a comment if you feel like it, or just leave a star rating if you don't. It takes a few seconds, and it's the 21st century version of word-of-mouth recommendation. It helps new listeners know what to expect and helps me keep the show going and growing. 
So thank you so much for listening and reviewing, and I will see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. <laughs>